All right, it's already recording. So I was trying to find more information about you, but I noticed that on, on Twitch, there's not much. Would you like to start by giving some context of your gaming experience and your card gaming experience and your context so, in Magic also, specifically? So, so yeah, I didn't want to put like too much on Twitch because I think it's more like um, people are going to see uh, they're gonna see what they get, and if they like it, they like it. Otherwise, they can go away, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I don't, like. I mean, maybe it would be good to like get some reference from the past, but I mean, I can just also they can just also ask, right? That's the the whole thing about Twitch. Uh, people can just uh, interact right right away. If they have questions, they can ask. So I'm gonna answer, right? Uh, but yeah. Uh, and now that you're asking. Uh, uh, like in ter like in uh, magic, uh, in my magic like career, I started like really kind of early, like sixth grade, seventh grade in school. That means I was like twelve, and now I'm thirty three. So that's like what almost twenty more than twenty years now. Uh, but I did start really slowly, like you know, like kids playing in school with uh, with I don't know whatever you bought. I know I had a deck where I had black cards in and I didn't have swamps, right? <laughs> I just got like the whole, the whole, uh, the whole pile jammed together. And that's how we played, right? You got, you, you got unlucky if you drew your black cards, but you still had them in. Because <laughs> they were cool and they looked cool. Um, that's, that's the pure magic when you just really play for a while. It's cool and what you like and not like trying to optimize or having super efficient. Yeah, it was like, it was like just a game. Like, I don't know, like you would buy... Um, I don't know, just like a like a standalone game, right? In the store. I mean, it had boosters and all, and then we combined the cards together. But we didn't, didn't really didn't know what magic is. It was just something that our our, our basically kit store or whatever sold, and we bought that, and, and it was it had cool pictures. Um, and like I'm I'm not like um, native English speaker, so we kind of like even uh, interpreted some of the words or like some of the text on, on our own. We, we knew English, but we didn't know it like well as, as kids. Was it not so translated into of, your language? Uh, no, I'm from Slovene. So it's, uh, like the closest it is, 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 uh, like we live really close to Austrian border border. Um, so, uh, German is, uh, like, I guess the closest language I was get, I would get here, but actually at that point I knew better English than German. Oh. Uh, but 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 it was funny because like some kids uh, some kids in school bought cards from Austria, which is really mm -hmm. close from here, and they got German cards, and then we get get like both cards uh, mixed together. <laughs> but but we still like uh, I don't know like the funny example would be like uh, Lanoir Elf just uh, um, just search for a forest for us or something like that. <laughs> that's what how <laughs> we make our own games. Your own rules. We made our own games. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I started uh, playing around the same time. I was, I'm 41 now, and I started very early when I was five, six. So it was more or less the same magic as you're describing. For me, I am one ounce of mine will give me one pack a week if I was lucky. And every time I got one pack, I didn't even know about the cards. I was just looking at the images, reading the descriptions, like those mini, the flavor text be below. And just putting a deck together and playing against my friends and my cousins. It was yeah, I guess I guess that's time. like how most people started. Like those who started really young. Like now, now it's maybe different because we get all the info from like, or, or I mean, the kids get the info from the internet and stuff. And so they can, like, once they get into the game, they can already search up for a tutorial and <laughs> just play it on like a way higher level than maybe we did. Yeah. So more recently, how how much have you been playing Magic? 
um like like or ad adult life like competitive magic so to say you're a magic like player. right now i'm not really like real life magic player anymore i mean i own the collection still from the past but i kind of stopped playing real life magic when the COVID kicked in like before COVID, like i don't know from from i don't know 2014 i guess or 2013 to uh what when was COVID? Like two twenty nineteen, right? Yeah. Uh, I just like visited. The first lockdown was March twenty oh, twenty. Oh, twenty twenty. No, but yeah, until I think my last last uh, GP or last PT was twenty nineteen. I think. So you were playing pro? Um, I mean, not like really pro. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't make a living all, out of it. But I just like went to almost every GP in Europe. Uh, or at least the ones I could afford, because like some some countries are still more expensive. Some uh, plane tickets are more expensive when like traveling is was expensive. So the 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 travels I could afford, I went there, um, and I did like manage to to get to few PTs. I was I didn't like do really well at the PT, but I did pretty well I think at at GPs. Like altogether, I have like I think two GP top eights, uh, national attendance. Like what what are these not national? Uh, World Cup attendance mm -hmm. or whatever that is, um, so that counts. I think that back in the days that counted counted as a PT, like uh, the World Cup tournament as, was almost like a PT. Um, but that's about it. And on PT, I didn't really like do that well. Um, I have like a day two or something, and that's about that's about it. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Still, it, I imagine the competition must be really fierce at those events. I was going also around Europe before COVID in some Grand Prixes. It's not the PTs, of course, it's just like casual play. And even at those more casual environments, there was a lot of competition and a lot of really good players that just gather and try their best to win. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but um, then, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was just wondering, in uh, Arena, you've, you play Limited, you play Constructed, you eat at least, I think we eat Mythic in both, and you hit, you are an infinite drafter, so to say. Like you get more, you accumulate more gems than you spend. Yeah, um, I mean, my my win. Per, like I usually look at this as my win percent, how high my win percentage is, right? And if your win percentage is like, um, I think around sixty five percent, um, uh, in limited, you're gonna go infinite. Like I think you need like sixty two to reach the, to reach the five wins. So like above sixty two, but there's some variance, I think. And uh, so for instance, when you reach, um, I don't know, two wins. And and all losses, you're gonna lose way more than, for instance, if you go seven wins, right? So I think you need above sixty-two percent. So it would be like sixty-five, I think, around there. And yeah, that that is like around my win ratio right now, or my career win win ratio, even. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, and also impressive the fact that you play so many formats. Usually, uh, the streamers or usually, the dra let's say drafters, the limited players, they usually focus on one, but you the allocate your attention to all this so i have it raises me a few questions that i think is quite interesting first would be like what makes you attracted to so many formats what makes you enjoy well players? just from competitive standpoint i think i like constructed more like for instance if i would play uh if i would choose to play a high level tournament and they would get, ask me what would you rather play limited or constructed i would choose constructed 
because um, there's more to it than just like playing the actual tournament. You have to pre-prepare, right? You you can gain um, the edge by just reading reading the meta, like um, making a good sideboard, and then like there are equal decks, like equal power level decks, and the level with more the the player with more more skill will will just be. Um, uh, we'll we'll get gain more edge there, I think. Mm-hmm. And I like uh, even if I'm not the best there, it will be a better indicator how good I am at magic, right? And and I just like that uh, challenge uh, more. And I think that's just like more depth to constructed and limited in in like high competitive. Right. Would magic. you say that at the very top, the skill ceiling is higher in constructed then? I think so. Yeah, because you have to. There's more multiple layers to it. Like, like I know you have to pre-prepare for limited as well, obviously. Uh, but it's like really like it can be more more like variance is more impactful like on the day of the tournament, right? Because you can just open badly. Somebody will get an insane rare. Somebody will draw like the best part of their deck or stuff like that, and it can just ruin you on that on that particular day, right? But in constructed, like everything is, um, like the whole deck is like you just get the, the best cards right together. You're not gonna play cards that are, uh, like actively bad, right? Well, well, in limited, you sometimes have to do that. That's good. That's uh, fantastic to hear. I've heard people express the opposite opinion, which might be fair, and it's great to have diversity of perspectives. Some people argue that the fact that you can already take your own deck makes it simpler because you just focus on the navigation like the meta is kind of found you just find a good deck that works for you and you just have this limited number of plays that you can make whereas they argue that uh, in limited you're dealing with the unexpected behavior but what you say also makes sense that and i agree that you need to first choose the cards i imagine that at the top level you're just not picking the tier one deck you need to actually tailor it to the specific competition you're participating and tailor it to the meta to the meta that is really specific to that tournament where you know it's going to be only top 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 players and um, yeah i mean and that like you probably like um people that didn't really go too deep into constructed like are saying that and i can understand that it's totally normal right um because like when when like for instance a limited like a casual players is touching constructed uh they're gonna net deck right they're gonna pick the deck and just play it and whenever something goes wrong they're gonna either blame it on luck or just say it oh there's not much to construct it i'm gonna move move away right but there's like so many different scenarios for instance i don't know like i would have to go to concrete examples but like there are uh, you have to know like certain patterns uh, how to play, for instance, what card to play first, uh, what to play around against a certain deck, right? And then there are like multiple of those decks, right? So like each turn, um, different different like decision makings will just like, like what to play. Like you, for instance, like you have uh, really uh, uh, focused decks where you have like, I don't know, uh, five, six, uh, I don't know, five, six different two or three drops and you're gonna like draw multiple of them, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to make a decision which one to play on turn two, right? And how, like, that's, uh, like, if you don't know what you're facing, what deck you're facing, what the meta is, you can just, like, randomly jam a card and it's not going to be a decision, right? But if when you know um, what you're playing against and stuff like that, um, you're going to have to think about it and, like, 
you you get the edge. That's just just like um, um, it, I'm, I'm explaining it. It's super poorly here, but <laughs> but there 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 are on like uh, there's just more decisions to to it than people like give it give, give like constructed yes. credit to because they just I, haven't uh, gone that deep into it. I understand I what you're saying. It's the decisions you make are more complex because the decks themselves are more complex. There's a lot of interactions. The fact that you can put four cards of each makes the decks more interactive and there's more uh, connections between the cards. So, And then if you also have the sideboard, if you play best of three, which in the arena ladder people might play or might not play, from my understanding, the best of three is a bit dead queue or there's a lot fewer people. So the majority of players play best of one. So that doesn't... Yeah, they just, you just have to, first of all, you have to have more cards, right, for best of three. So usually, um, wild cards are um, something people don't want to want to invest into, right? Because like, you, once you invest into wild, uh, a wild card, you cannot get it back, right? Or once you craft a wild card, you yeah. cannot get it back. So they would rather play best of one just so they can save those 15 wild cards, right? And, and then they can also... like switch between decks, which kind of makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of sad because like, best of one compared to best of three constructed is a whole different planet. Like best of one, it's uh, you really lose the the best part about uh, it. What actually negates the variance, which is like game two and game three, where where if you know what you're doing, you're gonna just get the edge, like sideboard correctly, uh, and have like a completely different deck. Because like when you look at it changing 15 cards that could be completely dead against like a certain matchup or like changing even 10 cards or something that are completely against against uh, that against certain matchup you're you're just gonna get such an edge and be even like could could switch like from a unfavorable matchup to a favorable matchup post board yes yeah, and that you say, cannot do in best of one some people say that the real magic is best of three and just best of one is um something that is like an abomination for magic just a random throw the dice I, I mean, I, it's it's a different game. Like, it's 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 a different design. It's maybe a more better suited for modern era where people play on mob mobile. Uh, like the the schedules of people are way more um, uh, just way more intense, and they don't have to, and like because you have to commit like half an hour for a best of three game, like or even more. Yeah, so if you get a control deck, be... or if even if you play with or against a control deck, it's. It's hell, man. You just play one game and you're tired, and then you, even if you win or lose, you have like a, you have to play another game, or up, up to two games. It's a lot. I understand also that many people say or use the time argument, and I think it's pretty valid, as you said. Like half an hour for one game is a lot of time, and there's no accident that meta that rush decks of aggro decks are popular. People just want fast games, fast wins, log in, log out. Yeah, plus in best of one, like uh, aggro is usually just like. In those, those terms, it's better because all the cards do the same thing, right? You want to deploy a creature on curve and, like, maybe use some removal and attack, and that's it. Like, you're not going to have, like, in a control where, for instance, you have a six-mana insane draw spell, which is completely bad against, like, an aggro deck, right? And you're going to, in best of one, play against aggro. You're going to have a dead card in the, in, in, this, in, the, in the deck. Well, for aggro, it doesn't matter. If the creature is a creature on two, three, it can attack. That's it, right? So, in terms of constructed in the arena... You play mostly standard and explorer, correct? Um, I I kind of play every format, but depends um, how good it is, how 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 well I like it at the point. Uh, so, for instance, like right now, I prefer explorer over everything. But there was a time when I just like historic more than anything, or even standard. Usually comes down to basically um, if I figure out a deck 
Um, even if it's not my brew, it's maybe something that I tweaked enough, right? I just don't like straight up net decking because it's not fun for me. I would maybe do that for a big, big tournament, but not for arena. So if there, if I don't figure out a deck that can win uh, enough games uh, on my by myself, I just won't like the format. So that's basically <laughs> my my standard for the format. <laughs> and as long as I can, uh, like right now in standards, I try to brew some like mono red stuff. I try to brew some uh, some stuff, but it just doesn't come close to what what people have figured out already. Because there there was so much repetition put in, so many thoughts were put in those decks that they are just like so standard is solved. And even if I would brew right now, I could win some games, but uh, I just wouldn't be satisfied. Like, cause I, it wouldn't be like a tier one deck that would maybe try, that could maybe spike a tournament or something. <laughs> so you're liking changes according to your win rate, and you like the most when you're winning the most. Would um, yeah, but I also don't want to win with, uh, in, especially in constructed on like a co competition, like on arena, cause it's not like let's be honest, it's not like a PT or something. It's not nothing is really on the line, right? The best you can do is get into, I don't know, top 10, and then it's a personal satisfaction, yeah, right? <laughs> That's about it. Probably so streamer, I don't want to win with something that already like exists. Yeah, and probably basically. as a streamer, you also want to make something or play something fun to be appealing to your audience and not just try hard one boring deck that will get you the win rate. Uh, yeah, well, that's all. That's obviously true. It's gonna be way more appealing to to the audience if I do something that nobody else does. But it's first of all, it's more appealing to me as well. <laughs> I, I feel smarter about that if I do something like that. Nice. I know it sounds sounds stupid, but <laughs> no, it doesn't sound stupid. It sounds perfectly reasonable. That's the relationship between effort and achievement. If you just achieve something with no effort which in magic will translate to net decking. Like you net deck something, you get 100% win rate. Okay, it might be fun for a bit, you get those wins, but it might feel a bit void. It's not the same as when you you twist a deck, you compare the cards, you experiment the builds, and then you come with something with, let's say, 80, but not, I was going to say 80, just to compare to the other with 90, but these are not realistic win rates in magic. Okay, let's say a more realistic win rate in magic will be like 55, I will say, something very good. And you could net deck something for 59. The, even if it's the win rate is lower, it's a lot more meaningful for you because it was a product of your own sweat. So that's exactly. very plus, valuable. Plus, by the way, Arena still has this... Um, uh, it doesn't have like shared uh, or shared... Uh, yeah, shared uh, deck list, right? For instance, when you play someone on the ladder, you won't see their deck list. Mm -hmm. So it actually... There is some advantage when people don't know what they're playing against. So you, if you if you play something that doesn't exist, uh, they uh, others will make more mistakes. Same goes like if you play, if I if I would play against something that I don't know what exactly it, what, what sixty cards it contains, I would play way worse, like way worse. And that's uh, like for instance that uh, that aspect on like PTs or like well, they call it mythic championship now or whatever during the COVID. That aspect got completely negated because, like, there was shared deck list on on MTG Melee. Like everybody saw each other's deck list on Arena. That's still not not the case. But the thing is, uh, back in the days, people that brought like Bruce to the PTs actually won some games because others didn't know what they pl played against. Now that aspect is completely gone. So it's just like uh, it's just better expected value to net deck and completely learn the deck. And tune it to the meta, right? And have like a perfect sideboard, or a, per a good sideboard against the the matchups you that you expect. So they it's just better value. The, they kill the element of surprise, basically. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. 
Exactly. So right now in Arena, which decks would you recommend for Standard and Explorer? For people that just want to tune in and get a deck that is successful, that gives them results? Based on your experience of what you've been experimenting, what would you recommend? Well, honestly, I recently haven't played a lot of Standard. I know which decks there are, and I'm pretty sure if you pick up, um, there's like a, there's the Vampire deck, the Grixis Vampire deck. There's the you could play like a mono green list. You could play red white aggro, and any of these tier one decks are probably good enough if you learn how to play it, play them. Uh, but I honestly don't know enough about Standard to say which one is like the actual best one. Okay, but you're more but I did... with Explorer. So, sorry, then. sorry. Yeah, I did play like a lot of Explorer. Um, and I'm really, I, w I was really high on the list, like I created and I wrote about it on MTG Arena Zone and other people did a lot, um, did, did really good with it. It's not really like my idea or anything, it's just a mono green stompy list, uh, which existed before, but I basically brought it in from Historic. Uh, I, I played this in Historic, like other people played that in Historic before, um, and I tuned it to Explorer. Th that was my basically... Uh, how do you say, like, uh, uh, that's how I contributed to to Explorer. But there are definitely other decks, like Red Black is right now a tier 1 deck, and you cannot really go wrong with it. It's It just can win every matchup, and it has a good ma a sideboard. It's not, like, um, insanely favorable against anything, but it has a good matchup against, like, most of the decks, right? Uh, there's, like, Grease Fan Combo deck, which is also really good. Mm -hmm. Um... But honestly, I would just pick I would just pick Mono Green, and uh, if anyone wants to read about it, it's on MTG Arena Zone. So uh, I, I state all the reasons for why why that is a good choice in there. Yeah, Mono Green is the maybe one of the most straightforward decks you can play. Maybe in addition to Mono White, just it is a I, I, honestly it is a really pretty easy deck to navigate. Yeah, it's it has like a simple uh, one dimensional plan: curl out and try to win. Uh, before they be, before they can stabilize basically <laughs> that's about mm -hmm. it yeah awesome and one thing that also amazes me the fact that you play many formats is that you're very good at all those formats limited including in limited so many players that dedicate so much time to try to become infinite drafters and they fail and other players also try to reach mythic in constructed and, and they cannot and you can draft very well and you can play constructed very well and if you do, you, or actually, do you think that if you would only focus on one format, would you even be better than what you are now? Because usually, when people dedicate their attention to many things, they cannot get excellent at that one thing. They get good at all of them, but not really the best at one. But you seem to be achieving good results in all of them. Well, first of all, if I would focus only on limited, which as a casual format, I prefer more. I prefer uh, constructed more as a competitive format, but limited. I, if I would play with my friends or if I would choose what to play, like when I don't know, I play on mobile or whatever, I will, I will, I will always choose limited. Um, but uh, I would just get bored of it if I played only limited. So that's <laughs> one of the reasons to, to, to go for other formats. Because, like, to be fair, uh, we get to play so much magic now with Arena that. It's like, there's not really that much to it. Like, at one point, you, you figure out the format. You figure out a limited format. And you're not going to figure out, like, really that, that... Like, it's the same. Like, for instance, New Capenna got solved. You know which decks are good. You know which cards are good. You know what cards are performing. 
um, it's not really gonna change that much if you play that 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 format now for two more two more months or something. You're not gonna really have like that drastic of a uh, of a like changed opinion on the format, right? Um, so that's one of the reasons to go for constructed. But also, I I do think that like actually, if as a limited player you you'll play constructed, you're gonna benefit from uh, it, like you're gonna transfer that into your limited game or other ways around. Uh, I'll give you an example. For instance, um, if you play a rod of uh, constructed, you're gonna see how like a cohesive deck works, right? How a how a really good tuned deck works, and you're gonna lean uh, when you're drafting towards having the perfect build of your deck to have like um, a card um, combined with another card rather than go for like. Um, the pure percentage, like, I don't know how good a card is in vacuum, like read from 17 lands and stuff, you're gonna rather uh, make a deck, like, from, like, how the cards combine with each other, right? And uh, and I think that that mindset, um, you will just get that from Constructed way more, because otherwise you don't get the context how a really cohesive deck works. Would you say that is valid, even if we don't get the cards that you use in Constructed, even if you don't open those packs in Limited? Does that yeah, skill I mean, still transfer? Yeah, I mean, of course, of course, it is. Like, right, you just like the whole the whole power level decreases, right? Yes. So, like, like a, a less powerful card will just be, I know, like, I mean, if you compare like a constructed good cards, like, I don't know, you you, you obviously won't play with the same cards, but uh, but it will just like a a, 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 a a like a medium card will still be. A card, right, and a playable card, and as long as it's playable, you're gonna find the uh, space for it and in, in limit. And yeah. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> yeah, I understand really. what you're saying, but it's just that it seems to me that it's harder to go from constructed to limited than from limited to constructed. You said that the power level decreases, and it's I think it's harder to deal with that shock rather than if you go the other way around from limited to constructed, you just increase. So, I, but, but the I, thing is, in constructed, you're gonna play against. Uh, other powerful cards, right? Equally powerful. Unlimited, you're going to play with medium cards, but the the other cards will be also medium, right? Like, unless you face a bomb and you play your commons, right? Yeah. <laughs> that happens. At least um, this so is what I was feeling when I go, for, for instance, I play mostly limited. Or I play constructed, just historic brawls or something easy and simple. That is not really your traditional constructively four of each. But I sometimes have to build decks for those events at the middle of the week that are, for instance, the last three sets only, or just standard without rares. And in those cases, I feel that playing limited helps me a lot. I know what are the good limited cards, and then I can identify a pair of colors and then build on that base that I already know that works in limited based on the synergies that we learn, and then just put these powerful cards to match the rest and give it more consistency. Well, yeah, that make I mean, it makes sense, but it kind of transfers the other way ar around as well, right? Because a lot, I think, a lot of limited pay players don't get um, don't get this like card uh, how how cards combine with each other. They only look at uh, at uh, power level and vacuum uh, of a card. Um, what skill level and, are you referring to? Sorry. What skill level are you referring to when you? I, I mean, even games? like even like top uh, arena limited players, I would Real? say. How? <laughs> like it's just you... like, I, I mean, maybe I don't get it. I mean, I like I watch some street. I I don't want to uh, uh, like. I think a general opinion is just 
always go for the always go for the best card, right? And like people nit nitpick for the from the from the tier lists, and that's it. But like. I mean top, I mean, uh, when I'm talking about top, I would say like mythic, right? I think the top, top arena players, like, I don't know, top top 10% of the top 5% of the drafters, or even less, I don't know, top 1%, whatever you want to put it. Those people are really, really skilled and they know what I'm talking about here. They know that stuff. They know like, uh, that's the edge they get from other people, like uh, how they can combine cards together and how a deck is a deck and a card in a vacuum is a card in a vacuum, right? And you can only view a tier list for maybe like first few picks. Because, like, everything is um, separated from the deck, right? Once you start picking a card, uh, next pick uh, will be um, will be in corre correlation to yes, what you yes, already yes, picked. Yes. And not, like, uh, uh, not, like, just, okay, like, like, it can, the tier list can completely change, right? For instance, like, um, you have, you have seven, five drops or uh, three drops already, and you see an Overseer, but then you see, I don't know, I'll, I'll just say a random card, you're in green-white, you see the the two three blitz card that gets two counters right, and you don't ha have a single uh, single five drop or a single like way to have a more powerful lady in card. Those uh, three drops get redundant, and you you should be picking the four five or the two three blitz card over the overseer, even though like most of the people will be uh, will be like completely how they say. Um, they will hate you because you made that pick, right? <laughs> yeah, that will be a bait. But that's where maybe the constructed skills come into play. You need to have proper deck building skills. You need to feel the curve. Yeah, obviously, if you if you uh, build decks in constructed, I think that's what where it really benefits you in limited because you know how to build the decks. Like uh, you're picking, but in the constructed, you're picking from the whole collection. Um, there, you're picking from a booster, which is. Literally the same, uh, but you are also limited, um, like on time in limited, right? Yes. You have a, a, a time restriction. Uh, well, the time restriction, I don't think it's the worst thing. Usually when you open the pack, you will have in the first 10, 15 seconds, you, you get a good idea. Okay, then you maybe use the time to think about the ramifications of your decision. Or do I want to go in this direction? Do I want to go in that direction? But... Yeah, I think the time plays a part, but it's probably not the, the most influential. Um, it is sometimes coming, yeah, but like, yeah, you get enough time. You, you, I, I, I never really feel that pressured, honestly, by time, especially when you know the cards. The problem is when you read the cards, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody that's like um, good at drafting, like, yeah, people usually read the whole set out, right? Before yes, yes. the actual okay. draft starts. <laughs> Just to clarify, you, when you said that the the top 1% of players really know the interactions. Were you referring to the one top percent of drafters overall or the top 1% of mythic drafters? I would say like uh, mythics, like those people that are always like top 10, right? Those people know what, uh, what's going on usually. So will you say that the 99% of mythic players don't have any clue about the interactions? Not any clue, but they don't really dominate or master. Um, I don't think they master it. I, I I don't wanna um I don't I don't wanna underrate that because like they still know like people still know how to draft like people know how to read signals. Uh, but they like I I often see that a lot of these like um even like mythic players, um won't have the finesse right how like the actual like top top limited player have like how to how to like then fine tune the deck basically how to really fine tune tune even even during the draft. Because you should be building, like, if you don't need a card, 
you don't need it, right? You you pick something that maybe has a potential to make the deck. You because you, yes. you that's the that's the real tricky part, uh, making that decision on spot, right? When you don't need a card, and you like like pe- people would pick it just because like okay, it's a good card that, like, it's considered as a good card. It's in vacuum a good card, right? But if you're not going to play it, there's no reason to pick it. Pick something that maybe has a potential to make the deck, right? Yes. So th- a- this is when, when it comes like this, like, fine-tuning uh, yes. fine, fine to mind. I see. And those decisions can snowball very quickly. If you make one bad decision, then it influences all the subsequent decisions that you make. So if you're committed in the wrong path without any real information, you keep accumulating those errors. And it can yeah exactly and, and this is how good, good way how you put it like because uh, uh, when we when you go from here this is also something uh, you make your decision and once you make a decision uh, like for instance um, I don't know um, like uh, what I see is uh, people read signals right uh, but 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 then they still like they kind of red one color is open. But then they still want to touch like another color, right? If you read the signal, if you're convinced, uh, you it's probably better for you to to just stay on that path, right? If you're gonna like still like be open, like I don't know, pack uh, pack two at the end of pack two, uh, you're gonna actually uh, lose relevant picks, right, for the deck. And this is like exactly this thing, like um, it's it's it maybe in 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 like hindsight. It's really easy to tell where you went wrong, right? But it's the tricky part is to make th- those decisions on the spot. Like, uh, so you're basically like, it. Um, I usually like to think that I I I, I already know uh, how my deck. Like, I, I I I at least have a vision of my deck even like before um, before I uh, kind of even like make like few first few picks. Like when I come into an archetypes. I have a vision of a deck. I have few cards which are gonna um, which are gonna dictate how our deck how, in which direction my deck go, goes. Right? Is, is it gonna be aggressive? Is it gonna be like this specific this deck in this specific archetype? And I, I already know which cards I I prefer in that in those in th- in that archetypes. Right? So I'm gonna uh, make make like a preference between like I don't know uh, same color same like if if I have. Uh, multiple picks of the same color and both all are strong right i'm yes. gonna I, I mean it's obviously not always clear and i and you have to make decisions but like it's important to 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 have that in mind i think not just like randomly okay this is a strong card this is a strong yeah. card this this like a lot what i see a lot of people do would would be like um okay um i'm gonna quickly look on 17 lands oh that card has a better win ratio and or you're already in like a pack two and already have a deck lined up right you shouldn't be looking at the at the stats you should be you should be uh comparing the cards you're picking from uh to to what you already have yes <laughs> it comes from your experience you can do that because you know the set very well and you know how the archetypes are built you know that for gruel you need certain cards you know that or Selesnya, you need certain cards, and you're already looking for those cards based on your experience. But but I wouldn't even put it um, that like um, you kind of put it like really wide uh, in wide range, right? Selesnya. I think like there are certain direction you also want to go in our archetype. For instance, you are in in band in or or in green white, let's say in um, in Yucapena, right? You still um, have like maybe you want to go more towards aggressive. Maybe you go like mid range, splashing bunch of stuff, 
Um, and then it all that also like those things also impact like how you pick the cars. Right. Uh, not you, not just like not just like a specific archetype like green white. You should also like break it down to like is your deck more aggressive? Is your deck more controlling? Does your deck need top end? Does your deck have answers? You know what I mean, right? Like yes, some yes, decks we can just it. get away with basically um, just a low curve and few tricks. You don't need anything else. You win games. Like that's the, an aggro deck. Like it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get what you need. You need, you need really to adjust the type of deck based on the cards you have. For instance, you can have the same pair, black and red, and build it either more control or more uh, aggro. For instance, I, a good like, example is, is, a good example is uh, black red, right? In New Capena. Which was had complete two different opposite. You could go like uh, black red splash blue and be completely controlling, but you could be this aggro blitz deck, right? And you probably shouldn't be picking your one two manas blitz creature in a controlling deck because it's gonna be completely useless. Yes. If that makes sense, right? Yes. That's a good example how that card has maybe like insane uh, stats somewhere, but if you're gonna read that tier lists or stats. You're gonna get completely wrecked because you're gonna be like in your uh, removal heavy control um, deck with bunch of the two fours that bring uh, instants or sorceries back and stuff like that. And then you're gonna start picking the one twos because you're gonna think it's a good card, but you completely disregarded the the, the context, right? Yes, yes, uh, that's a very good example. I was also going to get there, and for instance, the involuntary employment, the card that steals creatures from the opponent, it's also exactly. for an aggro kind of deck if you combine it, especially with body droppers, right? So if uh, you are a topic, I mean, you are a top uh, drafter, you are a top mythic player, would you put yourself in the boat of the people that understand the deck building or the people that are still trying to grasp it? Well, I kind of talk a, a lot about it on stream and stuff, so I, I, I would say yes, right? Because otherwise, if I, was <laughs> if I thought I was bad at it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't really uh, preach about it, basically. <laughs> no, like, no offense, man. But it's just that uh, sometimes it's okay to sometimes say that I'm not there, but I'm trying to reach there. It's totally fine. I'm, 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 I'm obviously, I'm not like deep. I don't think I'm like the best or anything. I don't think I'm, I think there are way better drafters than I am, especially when you look at the people that are now playing uh, only constructed because they were... Uh, limited is not a thing on the PT, and those like those people are just like good magic players, and yeah, yeah. They, uh, uh, and they just don't touch limited now because they because uh, because they like dedicated their time to construct it right, and they're, they're even in arena there are players that I like, cannot like really beat, and that's like even statistically like they have insane stats on uh, on seventeen lands and they are consistent at it right, like you have like people that have like seventy percent win ratio consistently on, on arena. <laughs> I mean, like, during the format, I think there was, was from, like, last format in Kamigawa, there were people that had 70. Wow, 70 is really high. I mean, lifetime, uh, lifetime, I think it's around 65, which is, like, 66, something like that, uh, which is, like, about my win ratio. Yeah, but, yeah, very, very like, during the set, you have some people that have, like, close to 70. <laughs> for me, that's super impressive, especially for a card game where like, luck plays a factor. It's extremely high. So if yeah, but that, that indicates that they there is stuff that's not like not variance based, right? Those like they wouldn't have like that consistent of that good of a stats if if they were only lucky, right? Yeah, of course not. <laughs> like <laughs> luck is an excuse people who don't put in the work usually use. Well, I, like, I the would harder agree. you work, the the luckier you get. Also, 
I still get tilted though uh, during a single game of Magic, and like you, you, you're still gonna get unlucky during a single game. But like when you look at the bigger picture, uh, if, if, like the stats can kind of comfort you sometimes <laughs> in yeah. the, in a way when you see your stats. Oh, but my win ratio is not actually that bad, right? And because you can feel about <laughs> really bad about like like one game. <laughs> not that bad with sixty five percent. It's okay. <laughs> So uh, maybe I phrased the question a bit in a weird way. I should have put it in another way. Let me retry. Would you feel comfortable with your level of knowledge in Street of New Capenna? Um, I'm actually like, was kind of bad at New Capenna compared to everything else. Uh, just stat-wise, I have like 63 or something. Um, but I don't think there's, I mean, maybe I'm stubborn at it also. Uh, but I really haven't figured out how you gain much edge in that format, other than like doing what whatever uh, everybody else is doing, like how, what the because usually where where I pick my edge and where my strengths are, maybe that's not gonna work for everybody else. It's like I usually pick a deck or pick an archetype or figure out an archetype type that nobody drafts and make it try to make it good. Like for instance, a good example would be Festival Crasher deck in Midnight Hunt. Which, I mean, other people did draft that, but there were really not a lot of people. They, like, Red was considered unplayable in Midnight Hunt, almost. Mm -hmm. Or, for instance, uh, I, I used to draft a lot of Mono Red, but other people did that as well in Kamigawa. I just completely stayed away from other archetypes. Um, in the, in and the... I didn't figure something like that in New Copenna. There's just not, not a deck that would be completely, like, out of the radar and would be good or... In There's this, just like these good stuff decks and that's it. In these previous expansions, would you rush or not rush? You Would you force these decks? Yes, absolutely. So always like, you, you start to draft and you know, I'm going to pick this deck no matter what I get. Um, well, I would just, be, uh, I would just uh, change my few first few picks for that. Like, for instance, I would just make, a, in my mind, I would make... A basically a different tier list for instance i'm just valuing cards in that archetypes a bit higher so i'm gonna pick them over like maybe something that's considered more powerful like let's say um in in um like there was kami flare right in kamigawa yes the three, yes, the yes, three yes. damage guy. i, I force mono red all the time there with the modified um and i would pick it over for instance first that's only first pick um over like a one tree uh what's the card that killed the uh, killed artifacts, the, the, the ninjutsu search? card, the Kapatek record. Oh, the Kapatek, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, I would pick Camouflage just because um, I don't want to pass any red signal. Like okay. that's just like uh, I think the edge you get there, and you only miss the pick. Like the thing is about the five color. The, the the thing about five color decks in or like multicolor decks in Kamigawa was that you still got them together even if you started on pick four, right? So even if you saw, saw like first three picks, you didn't get any red cards. Okay, I'm back to normal plan. I'm drafting my four color pile. I did miss on a, on a cap attack record, but I don't think that's as devastating as wanting to be in mono red and passing a camouflage. Because like, it's so important that you're the only, or like the only one of the two drafters that draft red maybe in, in that pot. So you wanted to be the guy that plays that color, no matter the rare that you open, for instance. Let's say you open. Uh, well, it depends what kind of rare is. Like there are, some rares are still too powerful to pass. Uh, like for instance, if I, uh, if you open, I know the emp the wandering emperor or something. Yeah, I would yeah, still okay. take that. Yeah, mythic right? or the dragon. Yeah, the mythics. Yeah. yeah, or the mythics. Yeah, but I would like 
I would usually like just take a red card. It it has to be a decently powerful card that you're forcing as well, right? Because if if it's something completely garbage, you're not really benefiting. Because even if you send that card um, forward, you're not sending a signal, right? So then you'd rather just um, nobody is gonna move for like I don't know. Uh, I, let's say the three mana four one uh, in Kamigawa that uh, the nobody is gonna four one. Uh, but there was an artifact like three mana four one ogre or something. Um, like oh, some creature no, cannot block when it enters the battlefield. Yeah, I'm bad with the card names. Yeah, it, it uh, made so that one creature of the opponent could not block. Yeah, 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 exactly. So nobody will move into red because of that, right? Oh, so you're you're basically the higher highest higher upside is to pick a card in other color, like a really like, like the actual best card in the pack, just in case you end up in this that color. You can still uh, still be. Um, Still be in red, like you can still move into red from if if it, the red is open, right? So it's just like uh, like people think like when when uh, when I when I say like I'm forcing something, they kind of get like scared, like they get oh that's not skill, right? But it's just like this tiny little preference for for an archetype, and you just like base your tier list around that. It's not like I'm still like reading the signals, right? I'm still like gonna end up in other decks. It's just like uh. I just have a slight, slight preference. You said slightly, tiny slight. So it's still a really small push in a direction. It's not a try hard forcing. Like I'm just going to play Samurais in Neo, for instance, or I'm just going to play Brokers in Streets of New Capenna. You still adjust based on what you see and based on what you get. Yeah, exactly. You still read the table, table yeah. Right. And that's, there is probably here where it comes that notion that you were saying earlier that you need to know the archetypes well enough so that you know which cards are important enough to make you sway in that direction. Exactly. Plus, um, the biggest upside from poor forcing it, uh, you, sh you, you get when you force archetypes that are either considered bad and you figure them out. So, uh, for instance, like red was considered bad for, for a certain period of time in New Capenna. No, sorry, New Capenna in Kamigawa. Yes. Because um, it was kind of, first of all, it was hard to play. Because there were like, you had like, I don't know, you had, uh, uh, there, it was a deck of one and two drops, right? It was a super aggressive deck. I don't know if you uh, get the context, but. Yeah, yes, with you, the rabbit batteries you, and the You look at the hand, you look at the hand, for instance, and you had like five one drops to play. That's a, that's an insane decision to make already, right? <laughs> and like, it, it, like people, like, I mean, it was a hard deck to play. Like, I, I punted on it a lot of the times, but also I think the upside of the deck was insane and like it was a synergistic synergistic deck so it took a while uh, uh for like drafters to perfect it to perfect the archetypes yeah. it just wasn't like it's not a car a, de a deck full of good cards right yes yes it was not like playing the sagas where you just slap the saga on the battlefield and the slider yeah. carries you so so like for for a while um drafters that figured out that archetypes just had an edge because nobody else drafted it. And they, they knew the archetype is good, or we knew the archetype is good. And for a while, like, like you just got like insane win ratio with that deck. So it's like always the better upside to, to force something that's out of people's radar. I think that has been happening a bit in Streets of No Capenna. In the first weeks, it was a general consensus that uh, Silesnia and the splash to blue, so the brokers was the strongest archetype, and people were sleeping on other alternatives. One example was, for instance, Ekil. Ekil was drafting Junt when everyone was drafting, drafting brokers, and these viewers will tell him, man, why, why are you not drafting brokers? It's broken. <laughs> and, uh, 
And what you were saying, like, no, these cards work perfectly well and these lanes are open and if you can make a consistent deck with these cards, it works perfectly well and you can win against every other deck. And now I also understand that Grixis is very strong. Some of my best results in Streets of New Capena are with Grixis. It's a very, very powerful deck and Black is very strong. So these are, are the open lanes that maybe now are starting to be, to be more figured out as the expansion reaches later its lifetime. Yeah, and like early on, I think this narrative gets like people settle on on this like narrative. What is strong? What like first impression is? Like they settle on it and they then they stick to it for a long time. People are stubborn, and if you are just going against what uh, what's like really a popular opinion, you're you have a, such a high chance that you're just gonna figure out something on your own. So it's like that's exactly how a, probably a kill figure that out or how like for instance i know like Fl uh, florida man which is also a draft uh, fellow draft labber uh he also figured out really early that grixis is insanely strong like he just drafted grixis and was like what are you guys talking about uh <laughs> about uh brokers it's not that good <laughs> grixis mm. is the best <laughs> yeah uh in this case how do you gain a good understanding of the set based on what you were talking earlier, like the top 1% of mythics that really know the synergies between the cards. How do you really prepare for that? Just draft and try to be... Uh, I mean, I usually just draft. Like, I don't really, like, uh, put too much... Uh, like, I don't go through the list, like, 100 times of all cards and then, like, try to, I don't know, even make the decks before I draft. I draft and, like... If, I, I try to combine cards together, right? And also, I'm really, like, especially at the beginning of the format, I'm open, open to try stuff that I never tried before. I would, I would actively just, I would actively just um, pick a card, maybe that's considered bad, just because it maybe has, it looks to me it has potential, right? I would try to, like, build around it. Obviously, it has to be a card that has potential. Like, for instance, a good example was Festival Crasher and Midnight Hunt. That was the spell, um, the, the two drop that, uh, spell matter two drop, right? It's really easy to build around it, but it actually worked. And then I just started forcing that archetype. Mm -hmm. Would you do um, that if you had a limited number of gems, like most people do? You have like a lot, you have infinite gems, so to say, or you can afford to f lose a few drafts to try some things, but most people, they just leave like paycheck to paycheck in terms of magic <laughs> terms. I mean, but that's how I kind of get the get the gems, right? I figured that uh, th those archetypes out, and then I start winning with them, and <laughs> then I get the gems. Like I don't know uh, other way how to put it. I mean, you could try to maybe, but the problem is if you're always gonna be the one that follows, right? You're gonna always gonna be a step a, a step behind. Like you're not gonna do anything uh, anything spectacular. Your win ratio will maybe be like uh, half percent if you're a better player above like other people but that's about it that that's not gaining you like insane amount of gems right yeah yeah fair enough especially if you're just drafting the most drafted colors you're always going to get right at the pot because the thing is like um in, in in arena you're still playing against like it's different it's way different when you play against your own pot right because you have the understanding what cards are there what decks you play against what you cut um and how you position yourself in one pot um like and if you're like a good at reading signals you're usually gonna be on the better side of the decks in your pot right so you got the edge there but how do you get edge in arena if you're playing against other pots you don't really get edge by by reading the signals in your 
in your pot. Like you, you maybe get an edge, but you get like a five percent of an edge, right? Oh, no, sorry, a, a half percent of an edge or whatever, like one percent of an edge or whatever. But uh, you, I think, like how you really get an edge is like basically going against the whole meta. Like what you think the common perception of 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 uh, other drafters is. And you try to do the opposite t- thing, but you have to make sure that that thing is also good enough <laughs> to win games. And you probably need to make sure that not only you know what that thing is, but you also know what the key pieces of that thing is. Exactly, exactly. So it will, I mean, it will, uh, res- like, I will lose some gems when I try stuff, but uh, I like to believe that, that like, that's like only one or two drafts. I'm going to completely train wreck them, but I'm already going to acknowledge, look, this card is needed, this card is needed, this card is needed, and next time I'm gonna have like almost, I'm gonna be almost there, like 18 out of like 23 cards are gonna be the cards I want, right? And then I'm gonna like even fine tune it uh, down the line. But it's kind of the same as day one people trying to figure out the format, right? They're still not gonna know about like (laughs) what's the format like. That's very amazing, the perspective you have. It's almost like a deck building perspective from Constructed. So yeah, but you... exactly, exactly. That's the that's the relation. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's... maybe now we actually explain it better because I didn't know how to explain it before. But <laughs> no, but it makes uh... sense. Like this tinkering with the cards, seeing what works. Like you put this in, you take this out. It's not the same collection. It's a different um, set of cards because you have to f- open new packs. So that's the difference. You don't have the cards granted. You have to go look for the cards. But maybe the identification of the key pieces are really similar. Now, and yeah, yeah. yeah now exactly. I understand. And, and and that's like how you have uh, more uh, like more certainty to get the cards. You you kind of want to be like that's the the whole uh, um, this like you want to lean towards the for like an, like an archetypes that no no other no other drafter drafts or like that's not a popular archetypes. That's how you are gonna guarantee those cards because <laughs> they're yeah. just gonna be there. Yeah, which is tricky to say in limited. Because the knowledge is constantly evolving. Let's say in the beginning, people are taking a lot of Silesnia. And now people are realized that Jund can work, or that Gruul can work, or that Grixis can work. And now we are in this weird place again, where the meta is these alternatives. So what do you do in these cases? You go back to the Silesnia, or do you just draft whatever is open? That's happened. For instance, in Midnight Hunt, it happened that people picked up on the Festival Crasher deck, because... Um, I don't know who actually started drafting it first. I, I think I was, I, I believe I was one of the first, but like, I also saw like, I know PG Trick was drafting it. I think like, uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, I, I know other streamers were drafting that deck as like at the same time as I started drafting it. Cause they like, this, this just maybe like the idea of that and they figured out it's going to be good. But like, it started happening that at, at the end of the format, you couldn't get a single festival crasher anymore unless you opened it. So then, it then you it's probably better to move away because like it it was so such an important piece for for that archetype. Yeah. But uh, in my experience, this uh, uh, the meta evolves really slowly, especially in limited, because people are stubborn. Like on the especially like the thing is, you're gonna gain an edge if you just listen to the first uh, the first narrative, like what's day one, day two, day three of the format, and that's gonna stick for like a long time. Like that's just gonna stick. Like those those deck will be considered the best. Like at least for first month, you can be pretty safe that like what what the the first first day, first week's narrative is is gonna stick for the first month. 
Yeah. I can imagine how it was like, I, people are definitely stubborn. And part of that might be because they don't want to admit that they are wrong or that they, their understanding is not complete. So they will probably try to force it like, no, this works. Instead of admitting, okay, I have to reassess, I have to admit that I don't know everything and I need to learn again. Improve. Exactly. And there, and there is some like, um, people like to stay in comfort zone, right? And, go, uh, and trying different stuff, it's like complete, the complete opposite. Uh, and if you want to try, you also like, well, uh, if you want to just like try new stuff, you also uh, need to prepare yourself to fail, right? You, you will fail at one point. You can, uh, but then it's like, I think like it's definitely worth it to train wreck one draft to have a completely yes. better vision of the format the next draft, right? Yes, <laughs> even Even if, if it's just like, okay, I tried something and it's not working, I'm not going to touch it again. Even if you get th that knowledge, it's, I think, uh, a really, really good insight. Yeah, you have a pretty chill attitude and that also translates in the way you draft, I think. I've met other streamers that are usually more analytical. They, uh, for instance, Hekil, he remembers the colors of the packs, he watches on pack 9 what he opens, he tries to actively recall the colors that are not there, so it's like I'm trying to analyze what's open, and he's also very successful, so this is a great approach, but you are also, you are also successful, and you don't do this, you just seem to me, at least, that you are more like go with the flow. You know the decks that you want to build, and then you kind i don't know if it's go going to be wrong for me to say this but you kind of focus on the pack that you have and you try to pick the best card in the pack for your deck and you don't overthink too much the card you like maybe keep it simple yeah and also don't think it matters that much honestly what you first second third pick because you go you're you're gonna like figure out your lane and then you're gonna build a deck from what you have like just you're gonna just like pick up the pieces pick up the legos and like put them together. Um, also, like I try to implement more of that. Like I actually didn't know for a long time. Like what I kill now. Now that I talk to other drafters, <laughs> um, uh, I know that Akil told told me first, or I maybe I I watch his stream that like there's only uh, one card. Uh, like there's always one card of a uh, from a, from a color in the pack. I didn't oh, know that. I thought like one common. Of each color of in each pack. Yeah, it's common. So yeah, that even. gives you no, the I don't actually acknowledge that a bit. So I see what's what's getting uh, taken, right? I did I did I actually before, and that was like years into my like competitive magic career. I don't know if that was the case in physical magic product. Maybe it wasn't. I think um, so. Or maybe it was. I yeah, but so. I actually didn't know that for for years and years, <laughs> and and now it's 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 super beneficial to me to know that. <laughs> I don't like put a lot of thoughts into that, but I still see, okay, the, the common was taken, that person has taken the, the let's say, red card. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know either. When Ekel told me that, I was like, wow, really? It was like discovering something for the first time. It was discovering for the first time. And even I play Magic for years and I drafted in real life, I never had any idea about that. So, <laughs> yeah. But it's just to say, like, your more relaxed approach also works very well. So... Uh, you have this understanding of the game and you have this understanding of what will work in your deck and that's what I think that you focus on. You really know the synergies and you try to build them and you try to find these important cards for that. Yeah, like this is my basically main uh, main focus, like just building decks, right? If you're going to get a deck that like looks like a deck, 
um, you can maybe get away with like missing some of the <laughs> some of the picks. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like my honest opinion on everything is people people overthink drafting. Like most of like from what I've seen, most of the like we get so many info in that like most of the players are just like decent drafters. Like compared to like what there was, I don't know where there was no uh, Magic Arena. Mm-hmm. People know how to draft. Like people know how to read signals. Um, but they maybe like would benefit more from putting more energy or more focus on like how to actually play the game of Magic. Like you win. There's so many. Like it's not only drafting, right? Like the actual gameplay is where it's at, and uh, you you maybe like can win with a pile sometimes just by playing better. Yeah. Do you think that you get to this relaxed attitude from the fact that you also play constructed? So not only you improvise your play style, the deck playing itself, because in constructed I think the play style itself is more complex. You have more variations. You have more maybe more decisions to make um also on that like sorry to interrupt you but um for instance like it's interesting that like actually um constructed gameplay is more you can learn the patterns a lot of the patterns you can learn but in limited you have to think like on the spot right the actual um uh, i don't know like in 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 constructed you can just like say okay i'm the aggressor because i'm playing against control it's better to attack right in limited, that's not obvious. Even if you're like a, a, a aggressive deck, uh, they start with a two drop if they are control, right? They're the one beating down first. You might not. Uh, you need to figure out if it's correct to attack or not to attack. Like that's just an example. But uh, from that, like on that, like uh, that, actually, you can transfer from limited into constructed. This on the spot thinking, because sometimes it's gonna come down, especially in mirrors. Like, especially in mirrors that are, like, board-based, like, I don't know, uh, aggro mirrors. Um, you're gonna have this, like, perspective of when to stay back, when to attack, and, like, this on-the-spot thinking. Um, so, sorry to interrupt you, but I no, just no, wanted okay. to say so that would you say not that always limit- that, uh, yeah. that constructed gameplay is more comp. Like, both, I think both ways uh, it transfers to, to, to each format. Would you say that uh, constructed is more complex then? I feel that you can um, make an argument in both ways. Yeah, parts. I mean, it's more pre-prep for, for Constructed. Uh, you, you have to have more repetition. I don't think you can figure out Constructed on the spot without knowing the format. You know what I mean? For sure. You have to, you have to t- pick a deck, play a few games, maybe even um, get a perspective from someone that's, uh, that's, that mastered that deck, right? To know how to play with it. Because uh, uh, some decisions are just like, like, like for for instance, like in limited, you have to figure out each game on 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 your own, and you can do that. It's not like it's not as complicated as as you would put yourself in a position, play a random deck in constructed, and not knowing uh, knowing any yeah, of yeah. the like outside information, you you're gonna fail with it. It's like so hard to that for like to process process that like all the info that's happening there and all yeah. the complexity. I feel that you could argue both ways. Uh, for instance, in constructed, it's really hard work to know the meta and know what you're playing against and know those patterns that you referred. I know this from a bit from experience. I I'm super casual, of course, but there was a time I focused a bit on standard, and I focused on having a good deck and really trying to perform and going to these grand prixes and so on. And it was around Havnica. I was playing Grixis, so best of three, you kind of a control deck, and 
I remember that I had to really tinker the, the, the list according to the meta and according to what I would expect to face and I will tinker the list according okay my deck is a bit weak against this I want to improve my matchup against this specific deck so I'm going to put this card and so on and and that's very complex that needs you to be on top of the game to always read to stay up to date and that's difficult and uh, in limited you don't have this but as you said also very well you have to react to the boards and that's not a pattern that you learn necessarily that's just your instinct sometimes you have to know what is the good decision based it's on what not you even, like usually you can come down lo to logical conclusions because like it's layering right you can turn uh, you can think a uh, turn like how mind functions and uh, it also depends like how experienced are like how well you know the game obviously but like you can uh, i uh, like especially now that i'm teaching i see teaching magic i see how some uh, some people are like can just think like uh, uh, turns in advance and stuff like that and layering up like I'm gonna make this play then it's gonna impact that play this is gonna be better for next turn and also reacting to your opponent right and that that that's not even that instinctive I mean you get some things like neutralized because they happen so uh so often right that's the probably the instinct you're you're referring to right yes but even the kind of blockers that you make or which creature are you going to pump, which creature are you going to let die, do you take the 5 that much? With uh, more unpredictable boards in limited, I think those decisions might matter a bit more or might be more or harder to predict. I don't know if this makes sense. There, yeah, it, it does make sense, uh, but, uh, but I also think it's not really like... Um, often you can come to conclusions like you're not just making a decision in the dark if that's what you mean no 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 absolutely not yeah, uh, that's the thing yeah. like there's many layers and there's going to be many consequences to your decision so if you again if you make one bad exactly. decision if you make one bad block then you or if you take too much damage then you're going to be on the clock against some flyers and you're going to lose your tempo things like this yeah. that are very yeah that's that's, to... uh, that's really complicated and i think this aspect like it's harder in limited but in constructed it's more like about like uh knowing the play play patterns you have to pre-prepare you have to put time in right you have to even uh, play the deck a lot to put yourself into scenarios because they're going to be similar scenarios all the time so like in this like playing on the spot yeah it's going to be way uh way harder and limited yeah. i think yeah absolutely one interesting thing i also wanted to talk about you was about the, the alchemy set that is now in arena so not only we have two dimensions to this we have the streets of new capenna alchemy at the draft and we are going to have an alchemy set and um, you played the you played the alchemy streets of new capenna right i think i saw some streams of you playing it yeah i probably did play it it's yeah. i mean, i did play some uh, alchemy and now i'm kind of like more on the side like i'm trying to avoid it if possible because the cards are um my opinion is that the cards the, the cards they add in dictate the format too much, right? It's really hard to to just like um, you you can kind of have to play the cards they add in because they are too strong. At least some number of them in a deck. So those those cards will just take the decks. But yeah, I, to your point, I did play. Some no, that's what I was wanting to get into. Just about your uh, perspectives on this idea of having alchemy, because I believe that one of the intentions of alchemy, at least how they market this, is to provide a mechanism to give balance to the set and or in this case 
to provide a mechanism to balance a set for drafting. You have the same cards that are used in Constructed and in Limited, and if, in theory, if you have Alchemy, you can keep the card for Standard and then make a tweaked version that is fair for Limited. This could be the idea or the good intention or just the PR that they give us, but uh, the moment that these Alchemy cards are busted, and some of them are, and I was watching you play, for instance, one deck with Arming Gala, the enchantment that puts creatures on everything you have on your deck. Yeah. That card is super broken. So you really have to play this card. So do does Alchemy actually balance Streets of New Capena, or it just skewed the power curve? But the problem is they didn't really like I think how this like balancing would be really beneficial for the for arena would be if they didn't add like more powerful cards. They either add equally powerful cards, right? But the real uh, real balancing gets when they actually just balance the existing cards. They didn't need to add anything, right? They just needed to balance the existing cards. For instance, like you fix I think you there you just fix some of the problems with New Capena and you make it a great format. Which, by the way, I I think like everybody is now on the agreement that New Capena is one of the less balanced format, and either you like it or not, like it's also not the most uh, popular format right now. Okay, uh, uh, just a curious note on that. I remember a comment by Lola Man that said that that was inevitable to happen because Neo was a great set. So. Streets of New Capena has this unluck of coming after Neo, which gives it an unfair comparison or it puts the standards too high. Uh, I really hated Neo. I think I even liked New Capena more than Neo. Oh, okay. uh, at the beginning, at least. Like, now I hate New Capena, like, maybe even more. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> but Neo wasn't like a fun set to me. The, pro the problem with Neo was uh, that there were literally just three archetypes like really, the real archetypes you faced. I mean, you could draft like Samurais, but they weren't good. But it was Red, uh, good stuff, and Ninjas, basically. And problem is, um, all the, the, the good stuff decks had the same cards. So you, each, ga each, uh, each game, you face the same cards. Like you face Oats, you face uh, Beholds, you face, like, it, like you just played against the same deck like each game. And that like made it completely boring, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, I mean, some people will disagree. And I think I will disagree as well. I think Neo had amazing diversity. Of course, those were the busted cards, the Beholds, the Oats. Uh, but I think you could make anything work, really. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I'm like... Um, um, like uh, I, I mean, I don't want to like um, convince anybody into, into having a different opinion. It's completely fine. That's, that's my, my opinion. Everybody can have its own, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I don't want to disagree, like, completely fine. It's, every yeah. opinion is personal and every experience of the set is personal, so perfectly valid, no problem. So this was just to say that uh, you think that Streets of New Capena is a bad set and it needs balancing. So what yeah, exactly yeah, so, does it so, need? So yeah, on, on that point, yeah. Um, I think, like, it would, it would be better if they made, like, alchemy changes to the actual cards, right? So, I don't know, for instance, nerf, either nerf Overseer, right, or, or uh, even... Even I don't know, like maybe maybe even like adding a card like Overseer or Javel Thief or uh, I guess Blue had the Echo Inspector, with, which was almost there with the Overseer, right? At common, but like when you look at Black and Red, it, it, they do have like good commons, but they don't have like a two for one commons. They have Murder and Strangle, so they would maybe need to like add either um, 
try to add black or 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 red like a busted common or like nerf one of the one of the the band commons or even like balance the multicolor cards a bit but yeah like there's not much needed to be done and it could be like a really really good set i think so this will be your expectation of what alchemy should do and not just put even more rares that are going to i mean i would want that for alchemy to do but i think why they are uh, adding all these powerful cards in and adding like new cards because they want to make uh, changes exciting right and they probably they want to just... sell the new cards they want and they want to sell the, the new cards as well. but i wouldn't mind them adding new cards if they weren't more powerful than the other ones like i don't think we're gonna get a set like just added a random card random alchemy card to an existing booster i think it's the new set is gonna be actual uh alchemy set for drafting i think that's gonna be a bit different right because the problem guess if there's like one alchemy card added to the existing set like it was in a new Copena alchemy because that car- one card was almost like i don't know 90 percent of the time was just more powerful than anything else in the booster and that's not balancing stuff like ba- basically they did the complete opposite with alchemy they basically made the the the, the things less balanced <laughs> in terms of drafting right yeah, yeah, yeah. so like it uh, exacerbated or it made bigger the problem that was already well do you be okay or open to the idea of alchemy as rebalancing the already existing cards or did you would you prefer them to not exist or interfere with the limited experience at all um honestly if it was done well i wouldn't mind but on the other hand like there's some edginess to not changing stuff and doing it like the old ways right and that means also like more prep pre-prep has to be done from their side from the creator side right to test the format out and i don't know i think like that's maybe a better solution because like every other other um like then you're making magic like on every other uh basically trading card game existing for like pc platform right you're like every like hearthstone is like that they they change cards right I, i i don't really play other card games but like from what I heard, right? In other cards game, they change cards all the time, like, according to, like, if it's too powerful or not mm-hmm. too powerful, right? Like a hero in a mobile, for instance. Yeah, so I, I kind of like the idea that Magic was different than, or is this still like this uh, old school game. I kind of like that, but I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't mind if it, the alchemy, like rebalancing, would, would be done in a, in a tasteful way. Yeah, so we will prefer things to kind of remain more or less the same. Yeah, because then it also gets like more challenging for the creators. Like they need to put more work in before the set gets out if they want the set to succeed. And that's like, they will put more effort into that. <laughs> they want to make money. I think that's their main motivation. And I think we know yeah, I mean, very like, well. Uh, yeah, but like, I mean, everything works like that. It's hard yeah. to, to, to like yeah. take anything and, away from um, that. But yeah. One, yeah, one of the things that I think are currently a disadvantage with alchemy cards is that they are going to have too much text. And I see that in the new set, in the Baldur's Gate. Some cards just are walls of text, and especially that uh, new mechanism that is specialized. I don't know if you have seen this yet. I've seen one card that like turns into then three, four, four other cards or something Five like that. Cards, Five cards. Because it's one for each yeah. color. And I thought it was only one card, but today... When I was preparing this conversation, I was looking into it in more details, and there's actually many cards with this. So it snowballs really fast. So you have one card, 
that becomes five cards. And you have multiple of these cards with this mechanism. So it feels to me that the amount of learning and investment that you need to make to keep track of all these changes is growing really, really fast. And I think I watched, uh, I watched, um, uh, what's the guy again? Some content creator on YouTube, like actually explaining this so well, how magic is already, uh, what's the, what's the, I want to, I forgot what's the, what's the guy's name, but he, 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 he taught like something like in a way magic is already complicated and then you make it even more complicated. The problem gets that the actual layering and stuff is complicated like thinking in terms of like um how 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 like cards combine with each other but the problem is now you will have to spend more more uh, of your brain capacity yeah. just reading the cards and like ex like just like actually not making sure you're not punting on one of the little lines and now it's like the whole book of <laughs> book of text yeah yeah so yeah i absolutely agree like it's it's, I think it's getting to a point where it's too complex to keep track of. For instance, these cards that you can discard a card of any color and it becomes a different effect. Uh, some of them, for instance, there was this card named Viscoria, I believe. I think it was Viscoria that... It had like six lines of text per color. And you can have up to five of these, plus the original one. And... Uh, it's just too much. Let's say you are playing against a five-color deck. How are you going to keep track of all the possibilities that you can have? So, uh, at least for my brain, maybe my brain is too small, but it's getting... No, no, I'm, I'm also like really, really scared of that because I'm usually bad when it comes to... I usually miss stuff on cards. I'm just like, that's just my biggest flaw, I think, like ever. I, I don't know, maybe I don't focus enough. And when I... Especially like in Cube, I notice that a lot because there like, is a lot of different cards and... Uh, some of the cards that you don't necessarily play uh, played with before, mm -hmm. and the problem gets for me that I kind of almost assume what a card does, even though I read it, and then it does a different thing, <laughs> and I, I, I punt so much on that, like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's normal. It's normal. Yeah, it's normal. But uh, yeah, I also agree. But yeah, that the, to, to these... your point, that's gonna get more complicated yeah. here, and that's and I maybe. Think, yeah, I agree not with a that uh, person that you were saying that you watched. That I think growing complexity in terms of text, is not really good for magic or for the format. Or is this the other mechanics, like the arming gala, where you just put a counter on everything. Okay, it's broken, but it's easy to understand. You know what it does. Or the Eternals, that it reduces the cost of a card. Okay, that's easy to understand, but... Yeah, I think that... I don't know how it will be received. Do you have any like expectations about this new set? Are you going to play it? Yeah, I'm going to for sure play it, <laughs> definitely, but... Uh, I don't think magic needs like magic is magic don't doesn't really lack complexity. That's the thing. I don't know why they want to add complexity. I don't know that. I don't think that's gonna make it a better game. Well, magic like, is pretty complex, but not it's complex in the interactions that you have. Yeah, exactly. But that's the appeal of it. I think like like that's in complex in that way. But like like you said it. Yeah, and we don't need more text on cards. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering, like, how are you going to prepare for the new set? How do you usually do when a new set comes? So, usually, um, tier lists, like we do with Draft Lab, anyhow. Um, so then, that's basically my homework. I re read all the cards and re I read them, and that helps a lot. Um, and then I usually am completely wrong on a few of them, 
and then I correct the grading like after one week. So that's already like a lot of if, if like an average drafter that doesn't like it's not a content creator would do that. I think they can benefit from that a lot. Even if they do uh, them for themselves, like they ruin for them. Yeah, exactly. There's like on 17 lands, I think everybody can build their own tier list. I think it has like the option. For instance, uh, in Streets of New Capena, were you very wrong? Or did you get a good understanding? I was, I, I'm always wrong with some. And like, I'm, I'm also making this, I'm, I'm this kind of person where, which likes to make sometimes uh, just for the sake of, uh, I don't know, like just for the sake of, uh, like, I don't know, let it, making, the, making the word burn or whatever. <laughs> I like to make sometimes a bold prediction on a card, like a really bold prediction. This is going to be insanely good. And sometimes <laughs> I, I, I succeed, but, but that also results into me a lot of times like really failing <laughs> at, at things. Uh, uh, oh, we have some so, yeah no. we have some expressions uh, in Portuguese that capture that, but I don't think they translate well into English. I was <laughs> trying to go so say something, but it was going to sound very stupid, <laughs> so I'll not do that. <laughs> but in, it's a case, yeah, like fail, go big or go home. In uh, but but what that uh, sorry uh, sorry on that like what it actually does for you if 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 somebody wants to get into that maybe listening to that, like it actually makes you. Um, uh, rethink stuff, right? Because like sometimes you you're just stubborn on your opinion, but once you like actually get uh, down, sit sit back down and look at each card individually, you can real. Re, re, um, it basically makes you so you change your mind, and that's a good thing. It makes you more often change your mind. I think that's a really good thing because like being stubborn is the worst. <laughs> being stubborn on one idea that's maybe not working is the worst. Yeah. And also, like knowing the cards better, that also helps you with <laughs> with doing the tier list. That's probably one of the reasons. Like, you really have to think about each card individually, and you probably don't do this alone. So, if you do this with other people from Draft Lab, you are probably discussing the set, and that's a very helpful brainstorming. Yeah, we also have like this habit of mocking each other then when somebody was wrong. So I think that's like super cool. We're not doing it in any toxic way or anything, but like just it's it's super fun when somebody is wrong on like a card and then you're like, oh, how could you be that wrong on that? Yeah, it's normal. So have you taken a look at the new set yet? Uh, not really. I haven't. I had seen only one card. I, I'll maybe like, I just for kind of forgot about it, honestly. I'll, I'll look into it more probably after this interview, actually. Yeah, I was just wondering if there was any path, but of course you have not looked into yeah. it yet. I've not looked into it myself. Uh, but let's see how it goes. Like, I have no idea how it's going to be. It's going to be the first draftable alchemy full set. So let's hope we, it goes well. And one last thing I wanted to talk to you was about the streamer showdown. Because I think it creates an amazing opportunity, not only for you guys, your content creators, but also for the audience like me who just has the pleasure of seeing you guys play against other stacked players. It was really fun and it was very, it was like a pro tournament that is not so common in limited. And it's a pro tournament of people that you watch every day. And it was great. So how, what did you think of your participation in this? Oh, I was excited. I was really excited. Lola invited me. It was my second time. First one, I think was Lola and Metafy organizing that. And then it was Lola and Esporter. Um, it's just like, uh, I kind of, first one I tilted a bit cause I know, I knew, uh, all the people are, most of the people are better than I am there. Uh, so I was like, I, I, I played against the, the, the 
the the streamers that I look up to, basically, or not even the streamers. Also, like uh, there were other um, actual PT players there. Yeah. But the challenge is so good to me. Like this is just accepting a challenge like that. Like I'm I'm always up for that. I would like if I get like another and white and white. I'm like just canceling everything else <laughs> else going <laughs> for the show now. <laughs> Was you, were you like a bit nervous about playing against first, first one yeah second one i was also like I, I usually get like this first like this is my but this is probably a normal process with everyone like first i get to a term, tournament or like a, like this i'm super nervous i tilt i make some mistakes just because i'm playing as somebody i know then the second time i'm comfy and then maybe the third time i'll, I'll get a bit like let's say cocky about it already <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm an expert now but yeah you did pretty is, well you're like you're saying this but you I think you went to the winners bracket, not winners bracket, but day two basically, or whatever. Two, yeah, yeah, the two, top eight part, yeah. Top eight is what you did very, very well. I would say. Yeah, I'm satisfied with with how it went. Yeah, okay. I was like, let me. Uh, I was like, first, the first time, just, just uh, let me, let me get at least a win, so I won't embarrass myself. <laughs> <laughs> the minimum, so that the people at Travel Lab don't have reason to shit on me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you think that is the greatest challenge about drafting in this kind of environment? It's very different from your typical draft at Magic Arena, where you just some random people, you don't know the pod, but and you're not going to play against a pod that you drafted. But in this case, you not only are surrounded by amazing players, but you're also going to find in other decks the cards that you pass. So that changes your approach. Is this very, very different from everyday um, It magic? gets a bit negated here because, I mean, obviously you see what you pass, but the thing is that there were open deck lists, right? So we could literally play around every card in the deck. I think that takes away something from it, honestly, but it's hard to make a tournament. Uh, we talked actually about this after the showdown because Lola asked for, asked for like opinion, how he, how he would change that maybe for the better. But um, to prevent cheating and everything is the best way. Like that's the the the, the most uh, fail-proof way. So it's I don't know. I honestly wouldn't mind being a closed deck list because I don't think those people would ever cheat. But uh, uh, who knows? <laughs> it makes sense that it was open. Let's say you are you played your matches and then you you just want to hop on the streams of someone else to see just their match or see how they're doing and if you didn't have open deck list you're probably saying like, that oh, is, trying to take that is true but like i mean this this is the same thing as in like uh, pt top eight right when you draft or in gp top eight when you draft right um other people when they finish first uh they can they can watch other matches and that's like actually sometimes okay uh i mean i don't know if it affects your drafting but you actually benefit from playing an aggressive deck because yeah. <laughs> you get to watch other people but that's like a minimal I think impact like yeah, a you, better you, deck is still a better deck you could not make changes for deck for match one right you could not make that yeah it was like oh, like a normal tournament rules this is also the same as on GP I'm, I'm, I actually like everything else about it except the open deck list I think that takes something away from it just because um, it takes this away like exactly what you said uh, like um, you're passing stuff you see what other people got so, so it's like another dimension to the game, right? You have to think about things that you saw during the draft. While now you don't really need to focus on that that much because you have an open deck list up. I see. Um, but everything else about this, I like 100% like because like, 
is just better than arena drafting. Okay. It's like everything, like the pot, um, you play against the same pot, so if, like the, the boosters will be less powerful. Uh, in general, nobody will have a more powerful deck, right? It's also best of three, which is great, like the, the sideboarding matters. Even if you would go that far, hay drafting matters. Even though hay drafting is usually hurts you more than the other people. Because yeah. like you're, you're playing against, I don't know, three other players, but you're going to hurt yourself but not picking the card for your deck, right? You might not even play against a person you're, you're, you're hating from, right? Yeah. I was just wondering, like, uh, you said you were happy with your participation, and so that's a great thing. Uh, that means that you probably believe that you, you performed close to your potential. But even, even though you are satisfied, are there any lessons that you learned in that experience that you would bring to your drafting experience? Or anything that you would have changed? Um, I mean, it's like hard to, uh, to apply this to arena drafting, right? Because it's pod drafting. I would definitely... I actually did... Uh, Oh, no, wait, I did an arena pot analysis. I didn't do an analysis of this. Um, I, I mean, I would, I'd obviously, there are, there are always, like, single draft improvement in hindsight that I, I probably had some, like, bad feeling about some picks. I think I, I often have that anyhow. But you have to look also that, like, I, may, I, I did, like, like, I tried the best on that spot, right? In hindsight, is really easy to talk like what you did wrong or not inside you mean i, you I was actually them. really happy with my place i was happy with my place but maybe the drafting i could especially day two i i know i wasn't happy with some picks like when i looked at the back of the draft i would make some picks differently but this is more like um bad decision making basically <laughs> i need to get better at the game <laughs> <laughs> well we are always learning so that applies yeah. to everyone even the people that are at the top at the top the moment they stop learning is a moment where they're gonna fall from there and as you said earlier it's also easier to analyze things in hindsight or knowing where you went wrong when you know what comes next i see that in my case for instance that sometimes i know how a draft will go and i know what kind of cards i will open a bit later and i subconsciously skew or gain some bias towards that direction. Even if at the back one, of course, you don't know what you're going to open next. But at least it, for me, I feel it's subconscious, really. One thing you have to be really way more careful in a draft like that, especially when you know there's going to be only good people, like good players drafting or skillful players drafting, is you have to be careful what you pass more than in general because they're going to read the signal, right? So if you like, for instance, pass like in arena, like people, players won't sometimes move for like a clear signals. I don't know if like overseer, um, then another white card and another white card comes to them. They prob like some of them will still be locked to the first bomb they pick, which was maybe blue, right? Here, people are gonna move into into white if you pass like three white cards, and then you have to maybe just like say, okay, white is gone for me. <laughs> other people moved into white. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Now, fair enough, it's, I'm very happy that you guys had this experience and I hope that there's going to be other showdowns and I hope that Matify or someone else sponsors it. I think it was a great initiative and it's good to know that it was as good for you as it was for us, the viewers. It was as fun to participate. And just to, before we conclude, one last thing is about the Draft Club. I yeah. heard about it, but I don't know much about it. Would you like to explain a bit what it is about, what kind of community it is, and who created it? So, first of all, it started with 
basically, I think Akil and uh, Floridamon started that. So like it was a streamer, like it's basically a streamer's team, right? Um, streamer team. Which includes uh, uh, me, Floridamon, Akil, uh, Josh, J2 Josh, uh, Ike, and uh, Tajordan. Um, I don't know if maybe... Uh, like uh, you can you can check those streamers out who whoever's watching mm-hmm. this, um, and it's also we have uh, our own this uh, uh, draft lab Discord where where everybody can join and we're basically like interacting there. People are active there, sharing their picks, sharing their uh, draft knowledge, sharing their I don't know questions about drafts, and they, it's not even only us answering, right? It's like people interacting between each other. It, it's supposed to be a draft community, right? Or we, we're aiming to be like a big draft community. And now we're pretty happy where it's going. Um, plus we're like doing the tier lists and stuff, right? Together, we're sometimes collaborating on some streams, which is maybe uh, less often than I would like, because it's a bit awkward, because we're like, some, some, uh, like half of the team is American. Half of the team is European, or Akil and me as European, other 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 are Americans, uh, so it's like a time difference and stuff. Um, Josh writes a lot for MTG Arena Zone, so all the uh, MTG Arena Zone limited content is from Draft Lab. Uh, oh, I didn't write a limited article; I draw, uh, I wrote a constructed article there. Uh, but Aki, I know, wrote something, and Akil has an article as well. So you can check also MTG Arena Zone. Um, for basically the draft lab, lab knowledge passed to the world. <laughs> There's there, good. and that's about it. I mean, there are future uh, projects uh, planned. We, we, we also do like tournaments here and there. We, we hosted two uh, big, kind of big, I mean, big, like money prize draft tournaments. And uh, I think like there were 64 people participating. We usually do, oh. do like eight pots, right? Um, or was it more? I, I'm not sure. But we usually have like a limit, so we have like evenish number of not evenish, but like enough pots, right? It has to be eight people in pots, mm-hmm. and then like a, a winner gets to the top eight pot, right? So we reduce down then uh, players, and then there's there's another pot. Uh, and this but will be right now, nothing is planned on the tournament right. part. So that's a great yeah. way to involve the community to make these tournaments, especially in the last two years where people were not playing paper magic. It was amazing that if they have an opportunity to draft against other people in an organized environment. Yeah, and we did it like, first time we did it really like in, in a really, like, we didn't know what we were doing, but it ended like, we, we had like a lot of stress like behind the, the, behind the scenes. We were like, okay, how do you pair that person? Where do we put that person <laughs> in the pot? Oh, somebody is missing. Oh, we didn't, we didn't really take that into account. Like, cause people don't show up, right? They sign yeah. in, but they don't show up. <laughs> then we had to fill in with other people. So we had like, um, like we had to fill the pods. That's the whole idea, right? Eight people per pod, and then the problem gets when three people are missing. How do you do then that? <laughs> uh, so we had to get people in. But like I think uh, 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 players had a good t- good time. Uh, we we had a stressful time, and second time around, we were more used to that. We had kind of pre-prepared for like uh, like this uh, this little little things that can go wrong, and it went better. <laughs> but yeah, like but I hope the next one will be even even yeah. better. Yeah. Are there any plans for a next tournament? Like overall, uh, we talked about New Capena, but I think everybody like was so tired of the format that like then we just the, the talks just disappeared. So um, there definitely will be more tournaments, right? The the last one um, 
was even I think the MTG Arena Zone sponsored the last one, so we got some money prizes in. Very cool, very very cool. Okay, man, it was amazing to get to know you and to yeah, try to understand your mind and how your play style goes for both constructed and limited. I really appreciate your time and you coming on. It was very, it has been very fun and very exciting for me to learn from you. Thank you very much. Is there any left message you want to say to the people? First, I want to thank you for inviting me to this and uh, for meeting you also. It was nice meeting you. Um, and for everybody else, uh, I don't know, just like, don't, I, I, would, I would really like for people to not be too like one-dimensional with their mindset. Try to explore, basically. <laughs> try, to, try, to, try, to do, to, try to get out of your comfort zone, especially when drafting. And you're gonna figure out different approaches and different, different stuff, basically. Yeah, it makes <laughs> very much sense. Not only in magic, but in everything. Try to be open to the possibilities. True, true. Yeah, it was wonderful to have you, man. See you some other time. Hopefully, maybe to discuss some other sets. But I hope to talk to you again someday. And until then, best of luck to you. Yeah, best of luck, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Take care. <laughs>